Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and I'm flying solo this week. There's no Haley here, no baby yet, but no Haley. We had a lot of things going on this week at work, a big event for our contractors, and we were just unable to work out a time in our schedule that we could both be here and get the show recorded. So I decided, rather than run a rerun, I'm going to just plow ahead on my own and see what I can do. Now, good news is I'm not going to be entirely on my own. I'm going to be joined in the middle two segments by Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders, and we'll be talking about the state of the real estate market. You know, if you're thinking about becoming a buyer or a seller, what's it look like out there? We've got answers, and that's coming up in a little bit. We'll also be answering a question from a listener who's working on a project at home where he's staining a bunch of pine trim and he's running into a problem. It's a really common problem. We'll talk about what's going on and how to work around it, and that's coming up at the end of the show. But right now, in this opening segment, I want to jump headfirst into a personal problem that I've got. And I can't think of a better way to start a Saturday morning show than saying, I'm Dan Hansen and I have a personal problem and we're going to all talk about it. But that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do that because I don't think it's just a Dan problem. I don't think it's just a me problem. I think it's an us problem. A lot of people deal with this. And the problem is that I'm stuck at home. I've got so much to do, so many things I'd like to get accomplished that I don't know where to start. And I've been dealing with this for the better part of a year or so, it feels like. And I've dealt with it on the air. I've talked about it on air. And the thing is, I'm just not getting anywhere. And the pressure is starting to build up. And it's really starting to impact me in a negative way. And I don't like that. I want to find a way to get through it. And sadly, it's not as easy as just telling myself, just do something and get going on it. Because like I mentioned, I've got so many things I'd like to do that I don't know which one to start with first. So I've got to figure out a way to get it going and get things accomplished and get them crossed off my list. I'm sure that there are other people in that same boat. And if that's you, maybe I've got some help for you. And I think the very first thing that I want to say is that we need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack. Now, part of it is because we just want to ease up on the stress, but partly it's because being negative or down on yourself isn't going to help you do better work or more work. It's going to really just slow you down. So actually, just by easing up on yourself, you're being, you know, taking some practical steps towards getting your your, your projects accomplished. So ease up a little bit, you know, cut yourself some slack. Life's busy, life's important, and you don't want to take away time from family and friends, or at least to take away time perpetually from family and friends in order to chase down work projects. You know, that's not how life should be spent. Life is about family, friends, and all of that. That's important. But don't use that as an excuse either. I always worry when I talk about this that I'm going to, you know, tell people, these other things don't matter. Just spend time with family and friends. It's a balancing act. You know, I like to remind myself that, yes, it's important to be with family and friends and to have fun with the kids and all of that. And I shouldn't worry so much about some of these things that I've got to do. But then I like to remind myself that, boy, the time spent with the family and friends might be more fun if I just bite off a weekend here or there and accomplish some of these other projects. That way, when I spend time with my family and friends, I don't have that guilt looming over me. However it works for you, do what you've got to do. But the first step is to just cut yourself a little bit of slack. Now, the next thing, we actually need to get ourselves moving. And for me, my problem, like I mentioned, is that I've just got so many things to do that I don't know where to start. I need to figure out where to start. If that's you, I think the answer is a list. I know it sounds simple. It sounds cliched and all of that. But I really think it's going to work. So we've got to make that list. And what, what we're doing with this list is we're not prioritizing at this point. We're not sorting the list or filtering it. All you're doing is brainstorming. Your stream of consciousness 
you know, thinking and writing here. What's hanging over your head? What projects do you want to accomplish? List them all, you know, whatever they are. Deep clean the house, organize the laundry room, fix the shed, paint the living room, do the deck, whatever it is. Get it all down on paper and take control of it. You're going to feel better just taking that step. Now, once you've got it down on paper, the next step is to prioritize that list. And this is really key here. You've got to break everything into three different tiers, I think would work ideal. The have to do's, the should do's, and the would like to do's. So break everything on that list into one of those three categories. And then once you've done that, all of a sudden, you've got a list of have to do's and should do's. So really, you're no longer struggling with the I don't know where to start syndrome. You, you know where to start. It's all on paper and it's right there. Now you just have to do it. And that's the next thing. You need to start with something small on your list, on your must do or your should do side of the list and get it accomplished. Now you don't have to do all of that work in one single work session. If it works for you to break it into smaller segments throughout a week or a month even, if that's what works for you, then do it that way. Just don't start other projects until you've wrapped up that first small item on your list. That's really important. You want to cross it off the list, and then you'll feel the mental weight ease up. And when you feel that mental weight ease up by crossing something off your list, it's going to help propel you. That momentum will propel you to get other things accomplished. That's my theory. That's what I'm banking on. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, another reason that sometimes we're stuck it's not just because we have so many things to do. It's that we don't know how to do something. Well, if that's you, get those answers. If you look at your list and you see things that you just don't know how to do at this point, get the answers. Stop out at RepcoLite, any RepcoLite location. We can walk you through any paint question, staining question, anything that you've got along those lines. We can help you. Other companies who specialize in other areas will help you with whatever they work with. Get the answers. YouTube has tons of answers. Whatever you need to do, find the answers. Now, sometimes... We're not able to get moving because we don't have the time or the tools. We know how to do something. We just don't know when we can do it and we don't have the tools to do it. If that's you, hire it done. You know, that might be a cop-out. It might sound like a cop-out anyway. It sounds expensive, but it also sounds like progress. You know, living with unfinished projects that we need to do is tough. It's exhausting. So hire a couple of things done. If you're looking for painters, there's a lot of painters open right now. Their schedules have opened up a little bit over the last little bit. Stop out at any RepcoLite location. Tell us what you're working on. We can give you a list of contractors or you can head to RepcoLite.com and there's a form on the website and just fill that quickly out, send it in, and we'll get you some names. If you've got other projects going on, find other contractors who can help you. That might get you moving again. Anyway, there's all kinds of things we could talk about to get moving. That's all the time I've got right now. I'll put more info in the show notes if you want to check it out. All right, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I'll be in the studio with Ginger Herman and Sue Prinz talking about the real estate market. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and I'm in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders. Right, Sue? That is a mouthful. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's hilarious. We we got down ready to record. And Sue settles down behind her microphone and tells me she's grateful that the microphone cover, the little foam thing, doesn't smell like spit. That's right. Yeah. You, you did singing or something? Yeah, I used to sing, and then <laughs> I'd get up to a microphone and be like, ugh, gross. Well, nobody spit. nobody has complimented us on <laughs> the smell of our microphone, so I'll I'll, I'll compliment that. on how cold I am. Well, good. <laughs> our furnace is also broken, so we've there got go. nice-smelling microphones, and it's a little chilly in the and, room. And that is a good compliment, because she would prefer to be cold. 
gold than hot. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is good. So it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. So Sue and Ginger, we've had you on the show multiple times. We're going to talk about the state of the real estate market. Mm -hmm. That's our goal in this segment. But before we get into that, why don't you guys just talk a little bit about who you are, you know, why do we even need to listen to you? I mean, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Where are you based? All of those things. Yeah, I'm celebrating 20 years this year. Woo-hoo. I know. Can't believe it's been 20 years. And we serve really mostly West Michigan, but we have we have partners and affiliates all over Michigan and even outside of Michigan, actually. So we say we go all over, all wherever right. we're needed. Cover pretty much anywhere. You've been doing yeah. it for 20 years. Ginger, how long have you been doing it? Uh, boy, that's a tough question. I think about 15. 2011 is when well, I got licensed. So yeah. I'm going on... I can't do math. <laughs> you just looked at me like I should figure that out. So, well, so here's the deal. She got her license in 2011, but she was working for me as a transaction coordinator or assistant. She's been immersed in, in it a for a number of years. She was oh, 15 yeah. years old. I remember sometimes calling her out of the classroom, like, "Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'd call the secretary. Um, can you get my daughter? I got a real estate issue. I got to take care of with she used her. To truck me around on all of her appointments. I was destined to be here. Wow, wow. Yeah, you had no other choice. <laughs> No. This is it. No. All right. So you've been doing it for a long time. You've yes. got affiliates all over the place. Yes. So if our listeners, we've got listeners in Detroit now, mm-hmm. if you have questions, still email us, radio at Repcolite, and I can connect you with yes. people. Oh, so yeah. We can definitely help. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the market. The real estate market has been Whoosh. a bit of a wild ride for the last, <laughs> what, how long has it been Oh, really crazy. You know, the market changed from when it was that that crazy like short sale foreclosure market in 2009. Um, that went to about uh, November-ish of 2011. And then all of a sudden it, it changed. And it changed rather quickly in 2012. To for, a the for the positive, for the positive, well, for the for the seller, for the sellers, good. the sellers were oh, it was doom and gloom for them for so many years, um, getting through even prior to the for- foreclosure short sale market. It, we were in a mm-hmm. uh, buyer's market at that time, and then man, it really hit rock bottom, and then it turned the ship turned rather quickly to a seller's market. And I, in fact, I looked at uh, a graph from 2012 to 2020. What I saw was this gradual uh, incline. It, lo- it looked like an, a nice hill going uphill from 2012 to 2020, and then from 2020 to now, it, it looks like. Like a straight line going up in the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we it, from 2020, we 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 went even crazier about COVID. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of really hit. It took a tiny little dip uh, right when COVID hit. I I, I looked when I looked at the graph. And I'm like, how did that af- COVID affect um, our market? It took this little dip and then shot back up. Because remember, because we couldn't see houses. We couldn't like see in houses. Person. Yeah, it right. You Zoom were showing calls. them with Zoom meetings. Yeah. Right? Yes. We were still selling, but it's different. All right. So when you say it's going straight up, I mean, what is... Values. The values values were increasing. Yes. Yep. And meaning... Um, a greater seller's market. We went from maybe uh, in 2012, it was probably hovering around um, a three-month supply-ish. And then we went to, we've been at least at eight years uh, under a one, uh, one and a half supply. For at least eight years, we've been at that. So One and a half months. Uh, I'm sorry, Month. one and a half months yeah. supply. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. which 
It's a supply and demand thing, which creates a seller's or a buyer's market. Supply right. and demand does. Just like anything, any sure. commodity, you know, that's how Paint. prices are affected. Yeah. Paint. Paint. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's right. been crazy for a while. It has been yeah. crazy. How do you guys feel about your career choices? <laughs> I mean, with all of this going on. This... Feels like I've been, um, let's see, have you ever been to Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney? That's what I feel like. Okay. I'd, hang on. <laughs> it's it going to accelerate at 60 miles per hour. feel crazy. You're going to go in like, the dark. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have gray hairs in my 30s. This is kind of how I feel. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> imagine, yeah, I'm full of gray hair. I can't imagine if I'd had a more stressful career. <laughs> I, I'd be bald, completely bald. I'd be hairless entirely. So anyway, let's move on from that. Let's talk about where we're going to go and what things are looking like right now. That's what I want to know. You know, we've seen how things have been over the last little bit and it's been crazy. Mm -hmm. Where are we at right now? We checked in with you guys maybe, what, six months ago, something like that. I actually want to say it was in the winter because I think I came alone. Okay. And I was telling you about how we were kind of actually slower than normal. So maybe it was three months or so. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. What's happening now? And I guess let's look at buyers, you know, and let's make it really personal. Let's Mm -hmm. say if I called you right now and said, I need your help, let's even make it really specific. I don't have a home that I'm trying to sell. I just want to buy a house and get moving. What are my prospects? What does it look like for me? Is there any hope at all? (laughs) Yes. There's always hope. There's always hope. That doesn't sound terribly positive. Yeah. Where do we go from here? What does it look like? My first question would be, do you have cash? All right. (laughs) Probably not. I'm not going to have tons, but that's something to consider, right? Yep. Because that is what we are competing against a lot when we're working with our buyers. You know, we, we've been writing offers, sometimes multiple offers for the same buyer, and we keep getting beat out by cash. Cash. Full-on yes. cash? Full like for the on whole cash. house? Yes. Yep. How in the world Full are people doing cash. that? I don't know. That's what yeah. I want to know. Like, Rich what career are they in? banks? Can I, can I switch yeah. careers? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I think it's rich grandmas and grandpas <laughs> and mom and dad, but... You're really, um, I mean, seriously, getting yeah, beaten out yeah, on a regular basis by people yeah. who've got cash for an entire house. Not all price ranges, mm-hmm. No, but, yeah, not all. I mean, I'm looking at you, Sue. I would say like under 300, 350 is where we see the cash kind of come yeah. into effect. Three, I would say, I would I would dare say 350 and under, yes. Yeah. Um, it's not all the time. What do you I, have for about 15? What could I do for that? Not a whole lot, huh? For 15. 15,000? For 15,000. I making a joke. I have a so. dog house. Okay, that's that's where I was going. I didn't expect got, you to take that seriously. It's got 30-year shingles on it. <laughs> well, that's better than what I've got now. Final right. sided. That's insane. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so that's that's a really tough, it, it tough is, thing to overcome. It is tough. Um, but as Ginger said, it's not hopeless. Because In fact, I just helped a buyer who, I mean, we wrote probably... I think we wrote four offers, and then, you know, finally we got one. And you just have to be patient for it and less picky. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, when Haley bought her house, she kind of figured that out, too. Like, because it was still strong seller's market when she bought. And she realized, you know, maybe I need to let go of some things to get what I want and maybe fix those things up myself. Mm-hmm. Painting sure. um, is a big thing. Painting goes a long ways, which, you know, you're right. in the business. Absolutely. Um Landscape. Landscaping. Renovate yes. a kitchen. There's some things mm-hmm. that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So like that for my buyer, it was moving to a little different area, still in Grand Rapids, but maybe not the the sweet pocket of Grand Rapids. He kind of stepped outside of that a little bit. And we were able to even negotiate on price. So I just think expectations maybe have to be lowered a little bit. And if you don't have a lot of cash to work with, those buyers are also looking at the reality that the int- the increase in interest rate has caused them to have to step down some in price, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a lot of them. Yeah. What you say, like with those kinds of buyers where they're in that under 300 range. Yeah. Well, and you joke about, okay, what can I do with 15000 We often start there with our buyers. How much money do you have to work with? Sure. Okay, let's break it down to how much is going to go to your closing costs, how much is going to your down payment, what do you have left? All right, let's say your, you know, your max price is 300 Now we need to go into the market looking at actually more of like a max price of like 275 because mm-hmm. we have to be able to overbid. To, to possibly get the house, especially if you're competing against cash. Cash isn't always king. If you've got a strong offer that's higher price or you've you know waived inspections or things like that, then you're not necessarily always going to be you know beat out by cash. Okay. So there is wiggle room. Yes. Cash is ideal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I've got cash, mm-hmm. I've got some negotiating power there. Yes, you do. Well, if because- I don't, there's still things I can do, and I can definitely see this is why I would want a realtor helping me get there. Absolutely. We are writing, and I know Ginger will agree with me, we are writing such creative offers now. Um, We've had to be creative to compete with cash or those that have a lot of cash to work with that make their offer more favorable. So, you know, we're writing these very interesting (laughs) offers um, that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at, well, what are the things that the sellers want outside of price that Mm -hmm. could be inviting? And it could be helping them pay their their the seller's closing cost. It could be. Well, I got one better. We wrote an offer with a buyer not too long ago, and we paid for the seller's moving costs. Oh, really? Like you're gonna get a U-Haul, or you're gonna get you know Scully statewide to move you. Well, so we're you, gonna pay for your moving costs. Do you just come up with that? You you talk to the sellers. It's brainstorming. Okay. I don't know, yeah. Dan. Okay. I got a great brain up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can come up with the math from uh, whatever to whatever. No, but I've got the creative brain. That's that's, that's how it works, Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. Not math oriented. She I got creative. that from her mother. <laughs> the creative part of things, <laughs> yeah. or the inability to do math. Maybe both. Both. Yes. All right. Exactly. We're in the no. studio with Sue Prince and Ginger Herman from Sue Prince Group, five star real estate leaders. And I think, ladies, we're going to take a break. Yep. And then come back on the other side because there's there's just way more to talk about. I want to talk about sellers, too, what it looks like for them. So we'll take a quick break. Grand Rapids listeners, you're going to get news and weather at the bottom of the hour. Detroit listeners, you're going to get a Repcolite Rewind. And then when we're all back together, we'll be back in the studio with Ginger and Sue talking about more real estate stuff. That's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And I'm in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders. Sue, you need to shorten that name. That's a long name. <laughs> Agreed. I got to <laughs> take a deep breath before I launch into it. But thanks for being here. Well, my friends call me Soupy, so you can say Soupy Five Star Okay, that would leaders. work. I called you Sewer Prins once on a radio interview. <laughs> 
I don't think that would be as appealing, but no. you know, maybe maybe you could decide and, and weigh that yeah, for a little bit. Think know. about it and get back to me. Okay. Anyway, we were talking about the state of the real estate market. We just focused on last segment, you know, for buyers. What does mm-hmm. it look like? We started talking about that. I want to get to sellers, mm-hmm. but I do want to talk about a statistic that I ran into just reading about this, trying to get ready for this interview. And, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there. So I'm not dead sure on accuracy. It seems to come from a reliable source, but it's talking about how 26% of homeowners say that the current mortgage rate is preventing them from buying a house, preventing them from even making a move. 26%, 59% say that the current rates are unprecedented. They've never seen anything like it. Now, I know that's not the case because I got my first house in 2000 and it was an 8% rate. Mm-hmm. But do you see that playing in, this mm-hmm. this mortgage rate really messing with people? I'm going to tell you what I'm noticing, and I'm doing this every day um, in meeting with, with sellers that are contemplating, do we sell or do we not sell uh, with this interest rate? Right now, we have mostly sellers that have either refinanced to a 3 or 4% interest rate. Mm-hmm. Maybe they started out higher. But, but mo- most people that own a home now are in a 3 to 4% interest rate unless they've recently purchased, right? Now, to get them to move, it, we're looking at either a transfer, somebody who needs to transfer, somebody who's going to retire, somebody that's in a, a divorce or a situation that you know, they, they need to get out of their home, right? Because if it's someone like maybe you who are thinking about, well, I just want to do a lateral move or I want to do a move down a little bit. I don't need this much house. You're probably looking at double a house payment. So does that make to sense? To get less then? of a house. To get less of a house or equal to you're looking at. Would not, you agree with me on that, Jen? Yeah. yeah. So then sellers don't want to sell. So sellers don't want to sell. So our our market of sellers is much smaller now um, than before because of the interest rate. So the interest rate is impacting those that are already in a home. Where I think the interest rate is um, less devastating is for a first-time buyer who is like, well, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And And... Yes, they have to adjust on price, but they're still out there looking. No, that makes perfect sense. They just, like you said, they can see what they're getting into, yep. and make and that hopefully switch. they can refinance. So, and that's yeah. the that's the idea down the road when things right. drop because they're saying right. what twenty twenty four. They think it'll drop a little bit. Yeah, it should be. It should. It, it it's likely going to come up a little bit. So the feds are talking that way about an increase, and then uh, we'll go back down. But I don't think we're going to see three and four percent again. At least not maybe no, in not my for, lifetime. Not for a while, which I I'm don't old. Think. But <laughs> no, you're not old. It's just oh, yeah. she's pretty old. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, I got a few more gray hairs than you, and you. I don't think you've got more than me. <laughs> so um, no, I think you know, it, yeah, I, it puts it into perspective. So what are you saying? Do I never get to move anymore unless no. I'm just willing to? Take double the house payment for less of a house. You got to lower those expectations. My expectations are really (laughs) low already. So, what this is what I'm saying: more people are going to stay in their homes, perhaps longer. Yeah. Look at so my generation, the baby boomers generation, that might be looking from moving from a, a home that they've owned for a long time, and now we're ready to move into the condo. Even a condo. When I'm thinking about moving into a condo, I'm looking at okay. First of all, my property taxes are going to go up significantly because you know it's going to uncap when I move into the the 
the uh, condo mm-hmm. where I might be paying now twenty five hundred um, uh, annually in property taxes, I'm looking at five grand. That's one thing. The other thing is I'm going to be paying a lot more in this market now, in this hot, hot seller's market. So maybe I want to hang on a little longer, right, and see if it's going to shift. Um, and then if I have to take out any type of a mortgage because, uh, you know, maybe I still have a, a first or, or maybe even an equity on there sure. that I got to pay off, now we're looking at this, you know, huge yeah. interest rate. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be those that are going to stay in their home longer or that are just going to put up with, um, well, I just recently had a client that was debating whether to make a move. They just wanted to basically do a lateral move on price, but wanted more square footage. They they lived in their home for, I think, four to five years, beautiful home, newer home, and they're looking at spending about 550000 I think their home was worth five fifteen. So it's basically, right, a lateral move, mm-hmm. but this other home had more to offer for them in space and in uh, a bigger yard. Well, for them, it really meant uh, almost double their house payment. Wow. But for them, they looked at long term. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, for us, who they were in their, what, middle 30s, they're looking at, well, for us, we're going to hope that we're going to be able to refinance and we're going to get what we actually need and want right now. So, you know, they okay. they, they were going to put up with that. But I think it's maybe uh, those that are a little older that have kind of been there, done it. Yeah, we've seen our and, best days. Yes. <laughs> It's done now. <laughs> that are that are probably going to hang out a little longer in their homes than what which they would have. slows the inventory. Slows right? the inventory. Squeezes that. There's not yep. as much going on, which makes it prices go up. Which is, I was just going to say. So the sellers that are actually selling on the market right now are doing very well because we just don't have as many people making that move. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if I didn't need a house to move into, if I could arrange a basement somewhere, or yep. just move or right into the retirement home, be done with the in-between stuff, move into <laughs> the retirement. Can feed me and take <laughs> care of me and do all <laughs> those set. things. Yeah. yeah. Skip That's the in-between stuff. That's not free either, Sue. That's no. not free either. But at least I don't have to buy a space. <laughs> okay. So let's say I am interested in. I still, you know, despite everything you said, all the things that scare me, I still need to move. I want to move. I want to look into it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with looking into it and giving it a try. Mm -hmm. I'm going to contact you and what's going to happen? What does that look like? And what does the time frame take? And all of those things. Yeah. You want to take this one, Ginger? Yeah. I would say we, our team moves very fast. So just in the last two weeks, both Sue and I had sellers call us and say like, we want to have our house up on the market in like two, three days. And we can definitely make that happen. We're going to sign paperwork with you. We have a listing agreement to sign. We have a photographer that comes in and takes all of our photos that way. Um, You have beautiful photos online. It's just like a don't judge a book by its cover. That's what people are doing. They are first looking at your photos. So we got to have good photos to get them in the house. We do a walkthrough consultation. So even though, yes, you could post your house up on the market and we would get buyers there tomorrow that want it, right? Sue and I are still going to use our expertise to walk through and, you know, we might change a couple of things around to even gravitate more buyers to wanting to put an offer in on your house. Move my junk into a closet or something. We're going to move your stuff away (laughs) into the shed. Dan, we're going to just pile this up and burn it. And then you can get new stuff that people would actually like, right? That kind of thing. No, but we pay attention to even as simple as paint. Like, you know, painting is 
what you're supposed to say is relatively easy and easy and cheap. But if we walk through a house and like every wall is scuffed or whatever that may be, a buyer still walks in there and says like, oh, my gosh, I got to repaint this whole house. You're, I mean, that's so right. From a seller's point of view, it's an easy inexpensive mm-hmm. and and from reality's point of view it's yeah. easy and inexpensive to make that look good with paint yes. but when you're walking in and you're buying something yes. how many of us, how many of us want to buy something that's got to have all kinds of work done to it yeah. if we can avoid that we right. see yeah. it in a different right. way at that point right. so yeah. yeah getting those things taken care of is great so some of those small things we're trying to pay attention we come in through with a different eye than than what the seller is who's lived there for no, a long time i get time. that i had a um the very first time i sold my house tried to sell my house, my old house. We brought a real, first we did it on our own. We tried to do it on our own and that just didn't work. And I, I didn't want to sell it in the first place, so I wasn't too sad. Then we brought in a friend who's kind of a realtor, not anymore, so I can say all this. <laughs> and he came in and he's all excited. He took pictures and we didn't even know he's coming to take pictures. That's oh, how no. ready we were. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem smart. And he said, oh, no, it's, it looks fine online. And I thought, how is that possible? <laughs> but anyway, I look at the pictures. Oh, yeah, there's our laundry all over oh, the floor no. in the basement. Oh. Our underpants are piled up everywhere <laughs> on the internet for everybody to see. The house didn't sell. We didn't even get anybody to come and look oh, at no. it. So it's no. good to have people who you gotta actually have a, have a brain a in their head. Eye. Right. Yep. Not that my friend didn't have a brain in his head, but no. man, in that situation, we wondered. Well, <laughs> you know, and, and even in a, a seller's market, we want our sellers to get the best price, the highest price. We want to be able to negotiate for them. And so we know, like, if it if it's looking sharp and, you know, has, has had that, that paint job that we're talking about here, we know we can use that and leverage that. You know, if we can make it look move-in ready so someone's not even thinking about that when they're writing their offer. So, and not just the staging, but we have yeah. different marketing strategies for each, you know, instance or situation that you have. How I just marketed my, my Jenison condo was different than how I marketed my Granville single-family home. Mm-hmm. So we do have different strategies. It's not just post on the market and you're going to get an offer. You might, but maybe it wasn't as good as what we could have gotten you. Yeah, definitely. With the offers you guys are describing in this market, I think if you want your best shot, yeah. you've mm-hmm. got to use a realtor. Oh, yeah. yeah. We we know how to negotiate. Um, you know, we've we've been doing this a long time and we understand the all the nuances of the contract and I mean, it's six pages long. And now we're looking at almost every single paragraph going, well, what what can we do this to uh, create an opportunity here sure. for the, the seller to turn their head? And so not only as a buyer's agent, but as a seller's agent, what can we do to get you more money in your pocket? Even though we're looking at five great offers here, or maybe 25, what can we do to even get you more? Well, if How our, can we leverage? If our listeners in the West Michigan area are interested, they, they would like more information, or maybe they'd like to get you guys out there and maybe start the process... How's the best way for them to get in touch? And if our Detroit listeners happen to email you, can you connect them to the right Oh, absolutely. All right. How do they best get in touch? Uh, Contact me on my cell phone, 616-723-2400. That's Sue Prince and Ginger. My phone is 616-633-5880. All right. We'll put links to all of that, or I'll put that information in the show notes so you can check it out there. Man, who knows what it's going to be next time you guys are here, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. It'd be crazier yet. Yeah, Sue and Ginger, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we're back, I'll be answering a listener question about staining pine trim. I've got a really common problem that somebody's run into. I'm going to talk about why it happened and how to work around it, and it's all just ahead. Stick around. 
we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and man, after last segment, talking with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders, I'm not thinking about selling my house anymore. I had kind of toyed with the idea, getting a house that's got a few more of the things that I want in place, maybe a few less projects to tackle. That all sounds really good to me at times, but when Sue and Ginger talked about how the interest rates being what they are, even if I'd make a lateral move in terms of housing value, you know, just find a house with a few things that I like a little better, even if the value is the same, I'm probably going to end up doubling uh, my house payment. And that is something that is a no-go for me. That's a non-starter. That's as big a non-starter as there is. Doubling my house payment sounds like no fun. It would mean less ice cream, less fun things to eat, all of that. It'd be less food to eat, period which would be really bad. So not selling my house. Instead, I'm looking at my space all of a sudden with kinder, gentler eyes, and I'm trying to figure out what I can do to make this house, the house that I've got, exactly what I want it to be. And I know I can accomplish a lot of those things with paint. We talked about that with Sue and Ginger, how paint is a really inexpensive way to go to get our houses up to speed. And I think that's definitely the way for me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now who are thinking the same thing. We're going to settle in, get our houses where we want them to be. Now, with that mindset, you know, that in mind, I I got a customer who just emailed me, a listener who reached out, and I think he's doing the exact same thing, fixing up some rooms in the house, trying to get everything exactly the way he wants it. And he's got a question. He ran into a problem while staining some pine trim And I think it's a really common problem. It's definitely worth talking about here. So I'm going to just give you his question, and then we'll move our way through the answer. The question is basically this. I just started staining my pine trim, and the sample pieces that I started with are coming out very blotchy. Any thoughts on how to fix this? Now, a couple of things before we get to the actual steps to alleviate the problem. First off, really smart what he's doing. He's testing the stain before he's going crazy with it. See, stains aren't like paint. Paint is solid color. And when you pick a color, that's generally what you get. Yes, the color could be mixed wrong or something like that. It could look different in your lighting, but it's still, it's the paint. It's solid color. It's opaque. Nothing underneath is generally affecting that finished color. Stains, on the other hand, are transparent to some extent or another. And applying them heavier can make them look darker. Wiping them off quicker can make them look lighter. We've seen people stain all of the trim in their home and then check it to the color that they're trying to match, only to find that they've wiped off too much too quickly and it's too light or they've left it on too long and it's too dark. It's not just pull it out of the can and apply it and you're good to go. There's actually technique involved that can affect the color. The color of stains is also partly determined by the wood that they go on. So some softer woods can take stain in a darker way, in a blotchier way. Some harder woods don't take stain nearly as deeply. They can be a little lighter. Some woods are redder. You know, I'm thinking red oak here. Some woods are greener. I'm thinking about poplar. Certain pieces of poplar can have almost a greenish tone, and that can really affect the color, the final color. So the bottom line, it's really smart to save cutoff scraps from your project and then to use those to test the color of your stain to determine the technique that you need to use to apply it in order to get the color that you want. Now, in this instance, the customer is doing just that, testing the wood, testing the color, and he's found out that it's coming out blotchier than he liked. So what does he need to do to fix it? Well, 
couple of things you can try. First off, really would be to start with a good sanding. And I would start with a 150 grit sandpaper. I would follow that up with a 180 grit sandpaper and then possibly, probably a 220 grit sandpaper. Now I would recommend doing all of this on more sample scraps. Don't just run all of your trim through this sequence of sandpapers and get done and find out that you should have quit at the 180 and not moved ahead to the 220. So you want to do this on sample scraps, test your color again before you move on to your finished pieces. So definitely really important. If you don't have sample scraps, it's really worth running to the store and grabbing another six foot piece of the trim that you're working on just so you've got something to test. So do that sanding and then put the stain on and see once where you're at. If it's coming out still blotchy, then there's other things you can try. If it's too light, then you might want to dial back and skip that 220 step and just end with a 180 grit sandpaper and then do your testing and see once what that looks like. Now let's say you went through all of that and it's still too blotchy. What would you do at that point? Well, at that point, the answer is going to be a softwood sealer. It's a product that we have at Repcolite And basically, it's just something you put on before you put your stain on. It's a pre-stain kind of a thing. It's the consistency of water, really, really runny, and you brush it on the wood really liberally, let it puddle, and then let it sit for about five minutes or so, and then you're going to wipe off the excess. Then you need to let it dry for about an hour or so, and then you would go and put your stain on. Hopefully, it's going to seal up some of the soft areas of the wood and help keep your stain a little more consistent. Now, a couple of things to think about here. Depending on the wood, a softwood sealer may or may not solve the problem. Generally, it helps with pine. A lot of the times, it's not going to touch like poplar. It's really not going to help the blotchiness of poplar. Now, also, if the situation requires, you can apply a second coat of softwood sealer after that first one is dry, but keep in mind that each coat you apply makes it tougher for your stain to penetrate, which means it's going to be tougher for you to get darker colors. All right, those would be the two things that I would do. Start with the sanding. If that doesn't do it on its own, apply the softwood sealer, then apply your stain and see once where you're at. That's probably going to be about the best that you can get to at that point. There still could be some blotchiness, but that's generally the, the nature of working with a softer wood like pine or something like that. So with all of that said, how in the world do you navigate this whole big series of what-ifs that I laid out, you know, all the things that could happen and, and all of that? How do you navigate that and get good results? Well, first off, you make good use of the samples and keep track of what you do in order to get to your color. And then you want to make sure that you use all of those sample scraps as targets when you start staining. So refer back to them from time to time to make sure that your color looks right. And if you've got enough scraps, create samples that represent the different steps of the process. Number them on the back, and then you can compare each one to the appropriate step as you do the finish work. That's the ideal way to go, and you won't make a mistake that way. Now, all of this maybe seems confusing, but all of the Repcolite stores are around waiting to help you. Anybody there can help you walk through the process. We do custom stain matching all the time. We can help you get the color that you need, and then we'll walk you through all of the steps that you need to take in order to get to that color. All right, if you've got any questions about stuff you're working on at home, paint-related or whatever, email radio at repcolite.com. We'll answer the question in the email, and maybe we'll talk about it on air and help other people. And really, that's it. The time has expired. That's all the time I've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. That's R-E-P-C-O-L-I-T-E.com. Just head there. And then on the top menu, there's an On the Radio tab. You can subscribe to the podcast there, and you can check out all of our other episodes. We'd love it if you did that. All right, whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. All of the Repco Light stores are open, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. Thanks for listening. Thank you.